If I told you that there was a brand new startup where random people would come and sleep in your house, and that the founders of this startup were so desperate to pay off their credit card debt that they rebranded boxes of cereal and went to sell them in the streets, well, call me cynical, but I would guess you probably think this doesn't end well. Well, spoiler alert, they turned it round. With a $3.4 billion revenue in 2020 and an IPO valuation of $47 billion, suffice to say, Airbnb must be selling a fair bit of cereal. Well, their digital marketing is epic and we have some amazing lessons for you today. So buckle up and enjoy as we take a deep dive into Airbnb's digital marketing strategy. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name's Tim. I'm Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja, which is a digital marketing agency that helps our clients get more leads and sales from their website. And that is exactly what this podcast is here to help you do. Now, today we're going to be taking a look at Airbnb. And in particular, we're going to be drawing out eight universal lessons that we can all apply to our marketing from Airbnb's insane growth so far. But before we do that, and just so that we can rinse every milliliter of genius from these marketing lessons, we need to rewind and understand the world that Airbnb was playing in before it was Airbnb, right? Remember, this was a brand new service. The idea of paying to stay in somebody's home, someone who you'd never met, was a difficult sell, loads of potential objections, and this was a completely unproven concept. To make matters worse, this is a marketplace business, and any marketplace business has this chicken and egg problem. They need to get enough inventory on the website, i.e. they need to persuade people to host on their site. But in order to do that, they need enough people who are looking to book to make it worthwhile hosts signing up. But how do you get people to book if there are no hosts? So you have this chicken and egg problem where you need to get both of these audiences onto the site at the same time, despite the fact that it's a completely unproven concept. This is, as we would say in marketing, a tough ask. But obviously, they did it. Now, in the early days, Airbnb really struggled to get traction. One of the main, uh, I guess, lessons or, or discoveries that they made was that most people are really poor at representing their home or their room that they were putting up for rent in the photos that they listed on the Airbnb site. And this is a key lesson for all of us. In the early days, Airbnb was struggling to secure bookings. The photos on the site were terrible. These places looked horrible. They were dimly lit, terrible photos. The average person is bad enough at taking photos, but remove the iPhone from their hands and give them some basic digital camera like back in the day and make them take photos of interiors, which is even more difficult, absolute nightmare. So the Airbnb founders decided to take their own photos. They decided to send out photographers to go and take their own photos of these locations. This doubled their weekly revenue. They picked up more bookings, they improved their conversion rate from their booking pages. This is a huge deal. We would not be looking at the Airbnb we're looking at today had they not taken this decision. But this wouldn't have been an easy decision for them to make because they are obviously investing cost without knowing whether people are going to book these spaces. So 
the lesson for us all, of course, we need to make sure that our product or our service looks appealing on the website. We see this a lot, whether it's a, an e-commerce business that has terrible product photos or a software company where the screenshots of the product either don't exist, so you can't tell what it looks like, or they just look rubbish. Or it's a service company, but you don't get a sense of the people behind the business and the branding isn't enticing. On Airbnb's product pages, I mean, these product pages are, are, are ridiculous. They're beautiful. I caught our internal marketing team having an absolute geek out over the product pages. We start at the top of the page with the images, obviously most important piece and a component, most important component when you're booking something like this. Um, and then underneath, I think the real genius of Airbnb's product pages is remember that this is essentially user generated content, their users are filling in the details about the homes that they are offering to rent. So what you're going to get there in, in a normal situation is you get a massive variety of product descriptions from people who aren't very good at writing about their place, uh, people who have, like oversell it, people who talk about some features, forget to mention other features. So Airbnb has standardized their product pages, meaning that people just tick different options in the back end and it shows little logos for things like how they check in or when the cancellation period is. All the features that they offer, kitchen, free parking, pets allowed, all of these things are nicely formatted on the product page without relying on the user writing about these in a detailed way. Also, the fact that people aren't generally that good at writing descriptions. So Airbnb doesn't really rely on the descriptions to sell these. It relies on the images, which it has control and input over. It relies on the feature, the price, the availability, all of which are standardized features, and then the customer reviews. There's also information about the local area, which it can populate automatically if it wants, or it can have writers just write a bit of text about each city, and then a bit of information about the host. So they're really detailed product pages but without requiring the user to fill in much. This is a fantastic piece of work and whoever's made the decision to build their product pages like this has contributed significantly to the reliability and the credibility of Airbnb as a concept. So um, in fact, the full site, the, uh, the user flow is designed to uh, remove objections and build credibility exactly as we would expect to see. Now lesson number two, is their use of gift cards. You might be thinking gift cards, Tim. Right, fairly old concept. <laughs> What's the relevance to digital marketing? Well, they are an underrated finance method. Hear me out. According to The Hustle, 55% of the average shopper's annual gift budget is spent in gift cards. So people buy a lot of gift cards. Now, at any one time, between 10 and 19%, of gift card balances remain unredeemed. So let's say that your business has sold £100,000 or dollars worth of gift cards. Well, at any one time, between 10 and 19,000 of that is going to be unredeemed. This is just cash that's sitting in your bank account that is not being used. It's not being spent. Your customers are essentially loaning it to you. Now, they're going to spend it at some point, but guess what? 6% of gift vouchers are never used at all. So this is an amazing way to finance their business, right? Airbnb is being lent all of this money by gift card buyers. It's brilliant. 20% of it won't get spent this year. 6% of it will never get spent. 
So if you're in a business that can offer gift cards, this can be a no-brainer way of generating cash flow. Now, of course, you want to account for it properly. You want to make sure that you're not spending that so that you, you know, when those people do eventually redeem their gift cards, you don't have any product to send them. But great way of having customers front you cash, which you can use to grow. The third lesson or the third principle that Airbnb have applied is about running, I don't want to call it um, like PR stunts, but PR stunts, essentially. (laughs) They have an initiative called Night At or a campaign called Night At. And these Night Ats are basically uh, stories or bookings of places that you can stay. So you can stay in a ski a box. I don't really, it's like a box at the top of a mountain, 9,000 feet in the air. You can stay at the top of a ski jump. You can stay at the home of the Chicago Bulls. You can stay on a in a floating house on the River Thames. Now, these are one-off things. You can't just go and book into them. Some of them are competitions that they run. Uh, some of them are just press stunts. Some of them, in fact, never happened, but we'll come back to that in just a second. But what this allows them to do is anytime they want press coverage or they want attention in a specific location, they can create one of these press stunts. So say they want to get links to improve their SEO and they want to get press coverage in London. Well, they build a floating house on the Thames and they make up some stuff about you being able to book to go and stay in it, right? Press coverage assured. If they want to get some coverage in Brazil, well, you can go and stay at the Macarena Stadium in Brazil. <laughs> there we go. Well, only two people have ever stayed there. So it's a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a PR gimmick because they just need to arrange it for one night. But then they've got all the links from the local press pointing at this night at thing. So this has been a really effective way for them to build links over the years. And their SEO is really one of their big strengths. We'll come back to that in just a second. But well, not a second, a minute, but they've got some fantastic, fantastic links to the night at section on their website. So, you know, they've got links from CNN, they've got links from Harvard, from Market Watch, Business Insider, CNBC, Daily Mail, PBS, The Guardian, USA Today, Fox News, the NBA, uh, Behance, CNET, HuffPost, Telegraph, Time, Wired, CBS, HubSpot, Mashable, Nike.com, ABC News, Entrepreneur, Forbes, The Verge, literally every single top tier publication has written about one of these night ads at some point. So this is a concept that you can take and apply to your business. How can you do something which gets you press attention like this? And remember, you don't need to go and build a shack at the top of a mountain. This can be, you could talk to a stadium and say, you know, they didn't have to do the build the house on the Thames. They could have just spoken to the people at Wembley and said, can we do this dual press stunt? It'll get us both some coverage, blah, blah, blah. And in fact, like I said earlier, you don't even have to do this anyway. There's an article on CNN Travel about how Airbnb has had to pull its plans to host people on the Great Wall of China because locals said it wasn't going to be very good for the Great Wall, lots and lots of objections to it. So think about what they've done here. They've picked up a load of coverage for having a stay on the Great Wall of China. They've got loads of attention by running it as a contest so people can enter to try and win this stay. And then they've picked up a whole bunch more press coverage 
by saying, oh, no, actually, we're not able to do that. So they've not actually done anything other than just have an idea, publish it, and then publish the retraction later on. So really, really good way of getting links and a huge link building asset. The, the uh, night at section on their website, which you can visit at airbnb.com forward slash night hyphen at is a massive link asset with huge, huge links pointing at it. Okay, our fourth lesson is to cater for different types of customer. Now, every business has customers that are in two on two sides of spectrum, right? You have uh, customers that are completely, they know exactly what they want. They've done their research. They are just here to buy the thing, right? They're the, they're the person who, who puts the, um, the, the, the serial number of the product into the search. They know exactly what they want to buy. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got people who are browsing, who are looking for information, who aren't really committed to anything. But if they see the right thing that, you know, they're going to ping and they're going to buy. So most businesses have customers in this spectrum. Now, most booking sites, most hotel booking sites are really only tuned, optimized for people who know where they want to go and they know their dates. Okay. So when you go to a normal hotel booking site, put your dates in, you put your location and it gives you hotels. Well, what if you're flexible about your dates? What if you're even flexible about your location? You're just looking for inspiration. Well, most booking sites don't actually cater for this audience. So Airbnb knows that it has these two audiences and the first group is catered for very well. They've got this search bar at the top of the site, which is sticky, works really well. Put your location in, add your dates, add your number of guests, totally standard. But they've also got this browse, this discovery thing. The first call to action on their homepage says, let your curiosity do the booking. And then there's a button that says, I'm flexible. So this takes you through to a kind of inspiration page where you can see loads of different types of quirky place to stay across the entire world. From there, you can start filtering if you want by country and you can choose some dates. If you don't want to go, if you're not that flexible, They've got another section on the homepage, which is inspiration for your next trip, which has some of the top locations in your country with information about how far away. So I can see for, I'm in Surrey, which is just under London, for those who don't know the UK. Um, it's given me Brighton, telling me how far away Brighton is. It's given me the Lake District, telling me how far away that is. It's given me Cornwall, it's given me Lyme Regis. And all of these tell me how far away that I am. So it's starting to help me think through the process of booking my next holiday, even if I have no inspiration. So over to you. How do you think about this? What are your different types of buyers? And how do you give inspiration to those people that maybe don't know what they want? That you can see loads of different ways of doing this, whether it's a questionnaire that helps people identify, well, you know, what's your favorite type of holiday? What's some of the activities that you like to do? Do you prefer the mountains? Do you prefer the sea? Do you prefer the countryside? You can help people start to make those choices. But isn't it interesting how they take this group of customers who, you know, you think on the surface that not knowing where you're going or when you're going is, is, is so broad, it's so open, it's so unlikely that anyone would book a holiday from that place. And yet all of us do it at some point, right? All of us start our buyer journey with no idea where or when. So actually, it's totally logical that they would help you start filtering through and going through that decision process on their website. Genius. All right, lesson number five is having a call to action which is appropriate 
to your audience and their level of concern. Okay, what, what do we mean by this at all? Well, remember that Airbnb is a marketplace. You've got these two audiences. You've got the um, you, you've got the people who are coming to book, so the people that want to stay somewhere, and then you've also got the hosts. Okay, these are the people who are offering their places up for rent. Now, because it is a marketplace, you need both types. You need lots of hosts coming onto the site. People are going to be selling their properties. They're going to be closing down their Airbnbs. You need to be constantly adding new places for people to come and stay on your site to have enough inventory to sell. So they've got a call to action at the top of the page, which has become a host, and that takes you to their hosting page. And this hosting page is all about how you become a host on Airbnb. The trouble is, the call to action on this page is so high commitment that unless you have already decided to become a host, there's nothing really there for you. The CTA is start hosting. Well, if we think about all the possible objections that someone might have to just listing their home on the internet so that people can come and stay in it, what happens if somebody breaks things? How quickly will it, you know, how quickly will I start getting bookings? When do I need to start listing? Um, Do I need special types of insurance? Like, what do people like? Well, a call to action that says try hosting is really high commitment, isn't it? That's you've already made all of those assessments and you are ready to go for this. Whereas actually, I think there's a much bigger audience that would love to get a bit more information. So there's some other stuff on this page, find out what you could earn as a host. And there's like a nice calculator that bases the your earnings on um, on on uh, on where you're based, which is cool. Great idea. Selling people the, the result, which is the money, the income. Then we've got some stories from different people who've been hosts, which is great. You know, making more personal, social proof. All these people are doing it and they love it. Now, all of the people on the on the site, actually, none of them are from the UK. So I'm in the UK. So I'd like to see local examples to me, but I'm being pernickety there. Then we've got questions about hosting. Ask a super host. So this seems to be Airbnb's strategy to help their hosts learn more information about becoming a host, is to put you in contact with one of their existing super hosts so you can answer questions, so you can ask questions. Well, this is okay, but even this is quite high commitment, right? I don't want to waste this person's time. If they're a super host, they're probably really busy. They're probably really experienced. I'm new to all of this. I don't want to embarrass myself in front of these people. Now, further down the page, we have... Uh, actually, we've got nothing. I'm thinking of a different page. Yeah, that's that's basically it. Then we've got a bit of information about air cover, which looks like an insurance product. And that is it. So if you want to become an Airbnb host, you've got a call to action that says try hosting. You've got a calculator, which tells you approximately how much you could earn based on your location. You got a few testimonials. And then the thing that says questions about hosting, ask a super host. And that's it. Then it's up to you. Are you going to try hosting your site or not? Right. For me, this is totally inappropriate to where the audience is at. If you think about the buyer journey for hosting your web, uh, hosting your property, this is completely, they're catering to the very bottom of the funnel. Now, booking.com has a very similar service. You can list your property on booking.com for people to come and stay with you. They approach it in a completely different way. So when you go on join.booking.com, it says create a new listing and then gives you some benefits about why you would create your listing. Now, important, remember the wording here, booking.com says create a listing, whereas Airbnb says try hosting. Well, creating a listing is very low commitment. I'm just creating an entry on a website. I don't even have to put it live if I don't want to. 
Whereas try hosting, well, you can't back out of that, can you? Once they're in your house, you can't back out. So much higher commitment just in the wording. So create a new listing is great. Uh, we've got some uh, kind of objection handling here. It's free. You've got support by phone or email. You can set your own rules, blah, 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 blah. Then we've got some description about how the thing works. Your peace of mind is our top priority is the headline. And then they've got some objection handling. They've got four different bullets of objections that they're handling. And you can click learn more to read about all their other objections that they handle. They've then got a section which says which best describes you. I've got a property that I rent out occasionally or I've got multiple properties that I rent out year round. So this allows you to go through a different information path based on how experienced you are as a host. So think about your audience here. If they're experienced, if they know what they're talking about, they know what they want to do, do you give them a different set of information which is more technical perhaps or more focused on the features? Whereas if they are brand new to this or they're only a very occasional user, do you have the information that is tailored to their level of expertise? Underneath that, we've got benefits of working with them. Then we've got the case studies. Then we've got some information about getting to know guests with some statistics about how many people are booking, the fact that these people are reliable, families and couples, um, you know, all this type of stuff. Then we've got the key bit, your questions answered. We've got two frequently asked questions, and then a link to their knowledge base, which is a massive chunk of frequently asked questions. So anything you would want to know about listing your property on booking.com is answered on this page. So we've got these two very different approaches, and I would love to see Airbnb build out their own knowledge base. They could do a fantastic job here because some of their hosts are brilliant. They could get people to film videos about it, like, here's how I do it. Um, here are some tips that I've found to you know, you could find this stuff on YouTube. I don't understand why they don't host it on the Airbnb site. So they're getting the links and getting the traffic. And then they can give you a soft CTA. You know, if you're thinking about booking, uh, if you're thinking about hosting, why don't you fill in this thing so we can send you some more information or send you the perfect Airbnb guide to hosting or whatever, which is a bit of a sales thing to take you through the process and help you make the decision. So um, provide a call to action that is appropriate to your audience. Now, up next, we're going to look at some traffic lessons, how Airbnb are driving traffic to their site. But before we do that, I've got two other things. If you want more information about this episode, so you can go and watch the YouTube version. If you head over to our YouTube channel, just search Exposure Ninja Airbnb, you will find it. You can watch the video version where I take you through these pages and show you some examples. Or if you want to read the blog version, you can just Google Exposure Ninja Airbnb and you should find our uh, a, a written blog. Um, run through written by Jess on the marketing team. Absolutely fantastic run through. She goes into loads of detail in some areas and points out some different lessons as well. So go and check out both of those. And of course, if you want to help with your digital marketing, then you can request a free website and marketing review from the team here at Exposure Ninja. It's a freaking killer service. Just go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. Anyway, let's talk about some of the traffic lessons that we can take from Airbnb's digital. So first up, your website doesn't rank, your pages rank. This is a key lesson. This is something that Airbnb has done fantastically well. People often think about, oh, I'm going to rank my website, whereas actually what's really happening is you've got individual pages on your website which can all rank. Now, when we analyze Airbnb's traffic on SEMrush, free trial at thankyouninjas.com, we can see they're getting a huge number of visitors. 
Um, huge number of visitors. So I've set up a filter which has filtered out the four most common misspellings of Airbnb, which is where the majority of their traffic, by the way, um, well, the majority of their keywords that they're ranking for are these, uh, you know, totally stupid misspellings of Airbnb uh, that people use, but fine, whatever. Um, if we filter out that, then we find out that they're, you know, they're getting around about 2.4 million uh, searches per, or visits per month in the US. That's excluding branded traffic. They are doing fantastically well. They are ranking number one for, they're ranking number two for cabin. Cabin's near me, number one. Uh, they're ranking for some different locations. So different places, uh, Costa, Roshan, Navarre Beach. Um, they're ranking number one for tree houses, uh, rent a cabin. They're even ranking for Craigslist Nashville. Um, lake house rentals, house rentals, tree house rentals, vacation rentals. You know, all of the non-branded high commercial intent phrases you would want to be ranking for. But very few of these, it's the homepage that's ranking it's almost always their sub pages. For example, the page that's ranking for cabin or cabins near me is airbnb.com forward slash stays forward slash forward slash cabins. Okay, this is no joke. You always hear us talking about the importance of e-commerce category pages, or if you're a service business, the individual service pages on your site. It's because these pages are the ones that should be doing the heavy lifting. Branded traffic goes to your homepage. The broadest, most generic keywords for your business might go to your homepage. But for everything else, you should have optimized subpages which are ranking for these, like your forward slash cabins page. So these pages are great, loads of information on them. They're really well optimized. They've all got links pointing at them as well. And it's fantastic. Now, their homepage, Airbnb's homepage, only brings in around 46% of their organic traffic. You might think, well, that's a lot, but I can tell you 46% for a business like Airbnb, which has 95,000 different variations of their spelling being searched for every month on Google, that is a tiny percentage. The fact that they are bringing in so much organic traffic from people that aren't searching for Airbnb, given that they are a real kind of category brand, right? You say you're going to book an Airbnb in the same way that you're going to use a Hoover. They are such a category defining brand. The branded traffic is massive, and yet all of the rest, you know, they've got 54% of their traffic coming to non-homepage for mostly non-branded search terms. So it's an incredible testament to the quality and the optimization of their subpages. And another way of thinking of this, you know, take out the subpages or de-optimize the subpages. They're missing around 4.5 million organic visits a month in the US alone, right? So this is it's just absolutely huge. So obviously having the pages in the first place is one thing to do. But the other thing that they're doing is they're clearly looking at these search terms and building subpages which are targeted to the most popular ones or the ones that they want to target because they're highly commercial. So this is what we all need to do with our SEO. Have a look at the phrases that you really want to target. Make sure you've got a page which very logically targets only that term or that term and related terms. So cabins, cabins near me, they're both going to be going to the cabins page. You don't need to build separate ones but you do need a page which is optimized for cabins because just sending people through to airbnb.com forward slash stays, that's not gonna be well optimized enough to rank for a term like cabins. You get me? You get me. Okay, lesson number seven, branded keywords in pay-per-click. Every business at some point goes through this dilemma. Do I advertise for my brand name on Google Ads? 
Now the arguments for, well, I'm gonna get that traffic and if I convert it, great. The arguments against, I don't wanna give Google, it, Google's got enough money without me paying Google to get branded search traffic that I'm probably gonna get anyway because I'm already ranking organically. So that's the argument. Airbnb spending an, around about $1 million a month in search ads in the US alone, but more than $700 of that seems to be bidding for their own brand name. Why would a company spend $700,000 a month bidding for their own brand name just in one country? That sounds crazy, right? They're already ranking position one when you search Airbnb, obviously. Well, the reason that they do it, which is the same reason that anybody else should bid for their brand name, is because they have competitors bidding against them. So here's how to decide whether to bid for your brand name. If your competitors are bidding for your brand name and you can make sense of the cost per acquisition that you're achieving when you do bid for your brand name, then yes, you should be bidding for your brand name. Here's why, three reasons. Firstly, you will be paying way less than your competitors for this traffic. You're gonna have a really high quality score because your page quality is gonna be very high for that keyword. If I search Airbnb and Google Ads sees that my website is called Airbnb, I've used Airbnb all over my page, of course I'm gonna get a really good quality score from that. Also because I'm gonna get a very high click-through rate from that ad because most people are actually looking for me. So I'm gonna pay way less than my competitors for that search term. The second reason, if my competitors are bidding on my brand name, I want to make that experience as painful for them as possible. So I don't want to just give them completely free reign and let them buy those clicks cheaply. I wanna bid against them knowing that I'm gonna have a high quality score when I do, that's gonna force them to have to pay more for each click. I want this to be a decision that they're looking at every month and going, ouch, this is hurting us. We don't wanna do this anymore. And in order to do that, I have to be joining that auction. Now, thirdly, you might not like having to pay for traffic from Google for your brand, but we have to make this an unemotional, financial, logical decision based on your cost per acquisition. If when you bid on your brand name, you are getting traffic and you're monetizing that traffic and the CPA makes sense, then you have to do it. So that's bidding on your brand name. Now, another interesting thing that came out from my analysis of Airbnb's PPC is that the page that they are driving people through to is not their homepage. Now, they're not necessarily running loads of, um, you know, dedicated landing pages for different locations, although, of course, some of their ads, you know, if they're talking about a specific type of property, then they're driving people to that type of property page. But if you just, if you look at the URL that their, uh, their PPC traffic is going to mostly, they have a landing page, airbnb.com forward slash A forward slash stays. And this landing page looks totally different to your homepage, to their homepage, despite the fact that it is basically designed to do exactly this, uh, the same as the homepage. So it's a simplified layout. There's much less white space. There is a call to action above the fold. The search bar is expanded into a CTA box, exactly like you would expect to see in an Exposure Ninja video. They've put it on the left and they've put a very eye-catching uh, property on the right, but it's above the fold you're in no doubt what you're supposed to do. Now they haven't set up a separate landing page, you know, like often people will where they'll take away the menu so that visitors are forced to stay on that page and either convert or bail. They haven't done that, they've actually got a menu. You can still become a host, find help, sign up or log in. But clearly the search, bar, the search box is a massive priority here. We've then got some 
uh, another little box which is explore nearby and then they've got some properties that are designed to kind of catch your eye they've got some features then they've got some recent bookings some different places and that's it on the page. This is a really short page. So this page kind of confuses me a little bit. And in the YouTube video, I said like, let me know in the comments why you think they're actually doing this. Because on one hand, their homepage is really well designed for cold traffic. And you would expect their homepage to be optimized within an inch of its life, given how much cold traffic or branded traffic that's looking to book they're getting. So why not use the homepage as the PPC landing page? Well, one possibility could be that because this is a very short page, the page they're using as their landing page, it could be unlikely to rank. Yes, Airbnb's homepage is mostly ranking for branding terms, branded terms, but it is ranking for some other non-branded terms as well. Whereas this landing page is gonna be unlikely to rank for anything. Now they might have decided that this landing page is actually the optimized layout for conversion, but because they also need their homepage to rank, they've had to compromise a bit. Also, I can tell you from looking at this page, it's a good looking page, but you would expect to see something a little bit more brandy from Airbnb. So it might be that they just want kind of brand visibility and they look, you know, they like the look of the their actual homepage. It's more designy than this landing page. But when it comes to paying for traffic, well, they just want to convert that traffic. So they're going to show them this landing page. So I don't know what the reason is, but it's very interesting. And it's another vote in confidence. Uh, it's, a, it's another vote for the strategy of building a dedicated landing page uh, for your pay-per-click traffic rather than just driving people to homepage. So go and have a look at the video if you're a little bit confused about this so you can see the comparisons. Now the final lesson that we can take from Airbnb is around their ad split testing, uh, particularly their ads that they're running on social and Facebook and Instagram. So I'm in the Facebook ad library here now. And we can see that a lot of the ads that they're running, uh, that, well, we can see what their approach is. They basically pick a style of ad, mostly video ads, so they can they pick a style of ad and then they'll make a whole bunch of kind of mini variations of this ad. So for example, they've got a series of ads which says made possible by hosts. And these are little video ads, they're so, so simple. They just show a few different types of property and they've got little design transitions. It might be like some confetti blowing or some you know uh, leaves falling or something like that or someone diving through a picture. But they're really simple little videos that you could build quite cheaply and it allows them to test loads of different variations. These are not detailed videos. They're not, you know, they haven't sent them off to some sort of fancy creative studio. They haven't sent their photography and videography team out there. They, in many cases, it just looks like they've taken images from the Airbnb website and basically animated them just like you would on like Animoto or something like that. But the number of variations that they can run is really high. We can see another theme that they've been running, uh, which is all about answering questions that hosts might have. So, you know, top questions that people might have might be things like, uh, what happens if my stuff gets broken? So they'll have a little animation which shows this question. It doesn't answer it. The call to action is there, then chat to a super host. And they'll have loads of the different top questions that people might ask. And they've got ads with each of these different variations. So this is going to allow them to split test at scale. They can run lots of these ads to lots of different audiences and find the commonalities that work. And then once they've got a theme that broadly works, they can then expand the number of variations even further. So it's a really smart strategy. There's another thing that we can see that they're doing, um, which is, again, pretty, pretty smart. And this is 
uh, back in November 2021, I think they ran a there was a one campaign which really caught my eye in there on on their account and. Um, it's a campaign that they ran back in yeah November 2021, and this was um, a, an ad campaign targeting hosts. And the copy says, "Thousands of Afghan refugees need a temporary place to stay. You can help, even if you've never hosted an Airbnb before." So obviously, this would get new hosts onto their platform to host for the Afghan refugees, which is obviously a very worthy cause. Now. They ran these ads to um, more than a million people. Their audience size was more than a million people. They didn't spend a huge amount of money on them. They spent around about 10K in total on these ads. But the most interesting thing to me was how the demographics were targeted. This campaign was very heavily skewed towards targeting women. Uh, We can see that the vast, vast majority of the audience was women. And not only women, but women, um, older women, right? 65 plus women was by far the largest group that they're showing these ads to. Then 55 to 64 women, then 45 to 54, then 35 to 44. So if you're a woman over the age of 35, they are going at you hard with these ads. They also targeted these ads at four states in the US in particular, California, Washington, Maryland, Virginia. Why those four? Well, I don't know, but all four of those are in the top 10 most affluent states in the US with the highest median incomes. So what it looks like to me is that they've identified that this is a cause which they can get traction with. They've identified the audience, i.e. the demographic, and they've identified the location most likely to respond well to this set of ads. So I think that gives us a bit of an insight into how Airbnb is profiling their audience, sis because they've obviously got multiple audiences, and where they're deciding to put their budget. So I hope you've enjoyed those eight lessons. It's been a real whirlwind, right? Product photos, we looked at making sure our product looks as appealing as possible. We talked about gift cards and how gift cards are basically a free way of having other people cash flow your business. We looked at their night at initiatives and how they generate huge volumes of links through this. We looked at catering for different types of customer, the people who know exactly what they want and the people who are browsing looking for inspo. We talked about providing a CTA that's appropriate to your audience. Don't require people to commit too much to becoming a host. Give them information instead, make it easy. Then we looked at how they're driving traffic through SEO by optimizing their sub pages. We talked about branded keywords in PPC. And then finally, we talked about split testing and demographics. So loads of lessons that we can learn and apply to our own digital marketing from Airbnb. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, if you want a free copy of our best-selling Google book, How to Get to the Top of Google, then all you need to do is click the link in the description to this podcast. Please also subscribe if you haven't already and you enjoyed it and leave us a review. We love reading the reviews. If there's any topics that you'd like us to cover in future, drop them in the review and we'll add them into our big old content research spreadsheet. We've got spreadsheets for days here at Explosion Ninja. Until next time, see you soon.